You're listening to the Picks from the Paddock Turf Talk Podcast. Good evening, good evening, good evening. It is me, Rory Paddock, or Picks from the Paddock uk, being broadcast live and just gone nearly 10 past nine on the 20th of September. It's the Turf Talk Podcast, not only with myself, but also with these absolute reprobates. Matt Polly and Mr. Christopher Connolly, how are we doing, boys? Not bad. Don't all shout at once, like you. Yeah. <laughs> right, boys, uh, we'll get stuck into things. We're not going to. There's not, not been too much on the racing world. Gordon Elliott's back. Ooh. Um, anyway, uh, big one of the weekend, Air Gold Cup, Bielsa. I mean, it's a horse missing a lot, and it's in terms of winning a big race like this since it's changed to King Power and stuff. Did it well enough? Chris, much you can take out of that race, or pretty much air gold cup and cat well, it did what it needed to do. The form not really you know worth much going forward, really, or well, you'd have to probably upgrade Bielsa given that he raced alone for much of the race. He was an impressive winner, if you like. Well, he was an impressive winner, let's be right. And let let's be honest and say that this horse has been threatening to land a very big handicap for, for quite a long time now, certainly since his two-year-old days. Um, I don't know what's happened in between. Maybe he's found it hard to readjust. Some sprinters are like that. Um, I always say never to give up on, on sprinters. And, of course, I never listened to myself. I gave up on him a while back. But it's a fantastic training performance from Kevin Ryan, who just seems to be landing everything in front of him over sprint trips at the minute. So, richly deserved. I'm not going to knock him. I'm not going to give any eye-catcher out the race. I just don't think it was a race to be doing that with. So, you know, a nod of appreciation towards Kevin Ryan and Bielsa deserved that, you have to say. Yeah, very much so. I think it's one of those, isn't it? Like we said, like, I I, I, I was guilty of doing the same. I thought it was going to be a really decent horse. I, I actually know what I said, no. So, like, you know, the joys of social media communication with his previous owner. Uh, when he used to race under different styles before King Power bought the horse. And it was a horse that was going places, you know. And then it's, it's one of those that's just like you said, it's it's promised a lot without doing, and you knew it would deliver one day, but following it along after season after season without it doing so, you know, you, you, you deep, your pockets can only be so deep, you know, before you end up with hundreds of cliff horses. And I, I was against it despite the money. I didn't think it had much of a chance and, you know, he did it pretty much alone, didn't he? You can't really knock it. Matt, pretty impressed with the winner. Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris has Chris has wrapped it up, hasn't he? he had to make his own, uh, do his own donkey work on his own down the, down the stand side, which was um, the side of the track that had been pretty much unfavoured um, in the previous sprints. And um, yeah, I mean, he's 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 one of those horses that could potentially, if they keep him in training, could potentially pick up a. Uh, um, a group race maybe um, if conditions are right and I think you know maybe two to take out of the race the horse that finished second um, looked the winner of Furlong out great ambassador he's definitely got um, some more potential and Count Dorsey I think ran ran really well he's definitely a winner uh, waiting to happen he finished the fine third in the Portland um, week before um, he came there with a chance with great ambassador and looked like a real threat um, uh, furlong down, but maybe a combination of running back a bit too soon and maybe six furlongs just stretching him a little bit. I could see him winning a five furlong handicap at Newcastle in the next uh, month or so. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, the second was well fancied as well, wasn't it, on Saturday. Um, seems to be, do, you know, have the potential... Uh, compared to a lot of others, obviously not as many miles on the clock either. Um, that was obviously the big race on Saturday. You know what? I, I was, you know what? I was going to get involved in. I was going to touch upon the big debate at the moment, which is the whole, you know, do we have too much racing? Do we have too resources? You know what? I cannot be asked. It's been done to death. So you know what, boys? For those that come to this for a bit of fun, we'll keep it light. We'll keep it breezy. So last week I said to you two. That we were going to do something called Fantasy Stable. I had a couple of posts on uh, Twitter and a few replies in terms of people that have put forward their horses. Now, those that didn't listen to last week's episode, these were the stipulations. Basically, pick four, basically, a Fantasy Stable picking four horses 
a sprinter, or possibly between five furlongs and six furlongs, a class it types, or one mile four horse, a stayer, so one mile six and upwards, and a handicapper at any sort of trip. Stipulations, all horses must have raced at least two full seasons between 1995 and the present day. Every horse must have raced at least once in either the UK or Ireland. The handicapper you select must not have won a listed or group race. And each horse, bar the handicapper, cannot have raced in more than three of the same seasons as any other horse in your fantasy stable of those ones that, again, bar the handicapper. So the way it's going to work, chaps, is a little bit like a NFL draft. I have, if you can see it on here, our three names in a wheel. I'm going to hit the wheel. It'll pick out a name. Whoever comes first will get first choice. They will be able to choose what of the four sort of brackets they want to go for first. Whoever gets second gets second choice, third, third choice. However, when it goes for the first three, we then reverse it round, and whoever was third in the first round gets to go first in the next, and so on. Don't worry, it's complicated. It's not as complicated as I'm making it out with. So what I will do is I will hit spin. Who comes out first? It's not been rigged. What a load of old bollocks. <laughs> I will see who goes second. <laughs> Mr. Connolly. Oh, come on. There we go. And Matt, you are last in the first round. However, in the next round, you will go first. So, with that being said, it's me up first. Now, am I nasty? Will I go one? What division will I go for? Right, I will go for... We're going to go with the stayers. So, stayers, obviously, any horse, one mile six up to two mile four. We've got, you know, the lights of Stradivarius. We've got all sorts of big names in there. I want to make it dead simple. Horse that were multiple, multiple Ascot Gold Cups. It's going to be Aidan O'Brien's Yates for me. It's going to be Yates. It can't be any other horse. Sorry, Strad. Decent horse, but Yates, definitely by far the best stayer of the last, what, 25, 26 years for me? Easy. No question. No other horses. Even come well, that various sort of come close, but really, no horse is decent at that over two by four. So many group ones, that's got gold cup, pretty much is his race. So, for me, chaps, stayer has to be Yates. Can't really argue with that, but Mr. Connolly, you get second, second bat, as it were. Stayer, has this, oh, has this got to be a stayer now? Yeah, indeed. Oh, bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> <There> <laughs> well, I'm going to be a gentleman and probably let Matt go with um, Stradivarius if that's on his shortlist. I'm going to go with um, Cave Tara, uh, trained by Michael Stout at the beginning of his career before moving on. He's a fantastic horse, uh, a dual Ascot Gold Cup winner, a dual St. Ledger winner, just a fabulous horse. I mean, unfortunately reoccurring injuries probably cut short his career but i think he was 10 wins from 15 with a couple of places um european champion stay on two on two different occasions he, he was absolutely fantastic horse and you know historically speaking he doesn't get the the same sort of respect or or glory as the likes of yates and, and stradivarius but on his day he was a very very good animal top class and it grossly underrated in my opinion Matt, your state. Well, despite uh, the the uh, the opportunity to go for Stradivarius, I'd already came up with another option uh, in this, which I think is. You can change. It's, it's up to you. It's no, no, no. I'm going. I think on this on this horse's day, I think he would have beat. I think there's every chance he would have beaten Stradivarius, and that horse is double trigger. Um, this horse was. A proper stayer, strong stayer. Um, it was a strong division 
he was competing in in his era between 94 and 98. He had his full brother, Double Eclipse, who was no mug, who he beat in the uh, Goodwood Cup. And unfortunately, I just have to refer to a couple of notes here. This horse won an Italian St. Ledger in 94. He won two Cigaro stakes, two Henry II stakes, an Ascot Gold Cup, three Doncaster Cups and three Goodwood Cups over a period of four years. And as we, as, as we know by now, as we come to expect, this horse was kept busy because it was trained by Mark Johnston. There was no resting on his laurels here this, with this horse, so he had to be, he had to be tough. And um, on his day, if he got out in the rhythm in front, he was virtually impossible to pass. And I, I genuinely think on this horse's day, with, with some decent good ground. He did get beat a couple of times toward the end of his career. He got beat in the pre de Cadran when he was odds on. That was in a, that was in a bog. Um, he also famously got beat in the Melbourne, go, go, uh, in the Melbourne Cup uh, in Australia when he was favourite uh, over there. But they had unseasonable weather and the ground ended up uh, heavy. Uh, and the horse went off favourite. And to quote Jason Weaver... Uh, on his way back after pulling the horse up and coming off the track, the amount of stick he got from the Australian crowd because everyone was on him because he was favourite. They told him to fuck off back to England and take your dog with you. Um, was was <laughs> was one of the quotes he uh, he remembered. Always love that between the Aussies and Aussies, from the Australian uh, crowd. So I genuinely believe in this horse's prime. He definitely would have got Stradivarius off the bridle. And and I mean Yates, yeah. Yates is obviously a class horse, but uh, I, I'm happy with Double Trigger. Any sort of honourable mentions? Obviously, we mentioned Stradivarius. I know I'm a massive Sergeant Cecil fan. Wasn't perhaps up to there. You've got Persian Punch, punch. maybe. Pers Persian Punch Someone. deserves an honourable mention. Probably my favourite horse of all time. Um, still up to well, winning. Coincidentally, my favourite horse of all time, Sergeant Cecil, another yeah. swear as well. I mean, yeah, he was still up to good. winning group races. Still up to winning group races after ten. Heart on his sleeve, you know. Front runner. Did it? I mean, the the criminal criminal part of Persian Punch's career is that he never won a Group One race. The absolute crime that he never did. But he placed in a an Ascot Gold Cup and just an absolute warrior. Everyone knows who Persian Punch is, whether you were alive or not. The the horse of the people and everything else. Brilliant horse. And uh, just just from my point of view, in terms of honourable mentions, for anyone who's watching this podcast of a certain vintage uh, and and will remember horses pre nineteen ninety five, I think our Josh would top most people's list. You know, he's a Gold Cup winner. He's placed in a Arc de Triomphe. Um, you know, which a lot of horses have struggled to do. And I'm going to continue to mention this throughout the podcast of uh, just to just to give a little shout out to those uh, viewers that might be uh, of a certain age. Oh, in a way. All right, they'll look on to bed. So that's the stay is done. Now, because Matt was last in that round, Matt gets to go first in this one. Gets to pick what left of the three. So we've got one mile four horses, we've got sprinters, and we've got handicappers. It's entirely up to you, Matt. Which one are we going for? And who is your first pick? Well, this has actually worked out in my favour, hasn't it? Let's be honest. So I'm going to go for the middle distance. Yeah, see, I could have been cruel there. I could have been cruel with that first round. But I chose yeah, not to. So, so there we go. Yeah, here come Judas. I'm going to take that opportunity to be cruel because, uh, you know, dog is dog in this world. Yeah. All that. Um, <laughs> it has to be see the stars. There is no right, question. So we're going like, one mile four classics. Yeah. I mean, this is fantasy football stuff, isn't it? I mean, Ronaldo, if you get first choice of a football team, you're going to pick Ronaldo, aren't you? And uh, quite frankly, it's see the stars um, uh, for me here. I mean, a lot of people question... You know, in terms of legendary status, some people put See the Stars on, on the same page as Frankel. Now, I don't know. That's that's pushing it a little bit. But there's no doubt this horse was a superstar. Just to reel off his, 
reeled off his victories. He he won the Berth States, which is a top quality two year old race. Uh, and then obviously his three three year old career was sensational. Guineas Derby, Irish champion, uh, Eclipse, and finishing off with the Arc. I mean, there's nothing. That, what else? What else can you say? Not only that. So he's won. He's had the speed to win a Guineas. He's had the stamina to win a Derby and an Arc. Uh, and add all add to all of that. This horse had got the temperament of a riding school pony. Not a bother. Not a bother on him. He he strode about like he owned the place. Never saw him sweat. Never saw him get g'd up. The complete racehorse. Yeah, just well for, for those that obviously don't know the back and forth there. He's seen as now was pretty much my nailed on selection for this. Uh, Matt's obviously got his, so I've got to go back to the drawing board. But yeah, I mean, you can't really argue with that, can you? Jeez Louise. Just. Oh. Yeah, it, it, you can't really think of any more adjectives or be any more superfluous for how good that horse is. Uh, obviously, Chris is going to have been, uh, you know, it's, it's going to have been hard to go against that horse, really. You can't really knock that horse. Um, even doing relatively all right he's no galileo in the sheds but he's certainly not a bad horse um yours my mate go on if you end up picking my second choice now i'll kill you <laughs> yeah it's um terribly difficult uh this is a big problem we're going second in it every time get absolutely shafted each way but um yeah see the stars absolutely fantastic horse obviously we we'll have to put another one forward but um i wouldn't put anyone off see the stars but i'm going to go with high chaparral um just an absolute iron horse this horse i remember him losing on his debut he lost by a shorted and i think he won the week after or maybe a couple of weeks after but he went to the the racing post trophies a two-year-old um i think he was around nine to two but aiden o'brien had an odds on shot in that race and kevin darley rode him he absolutely powered home and he had he had derby written all over him uh, he contested the english derby as a three-year-old before that he won a massive trial in ireland which in them days the derrenstown was a big big trial um he went to epsom i think second favorite again um this time behind hawkwing in the betting who looked desperately unlucky in the guineas and he dismissed hawkwing with relative ease i wouldn't say he absolutely hacked up but relative ease he was rock solid was high chaparral great temperament as well and it's worth bearing in mind, you know, he followed up in the Irish Derby. He won two Breeders' Cup turfs. He should have won two Breeders' Cup turfs outright. He was robbed the second time. He clearly won that race. But he was a cast-iron horse. Maybe not in the same superstar class as, as See the Stars, but he was rock-solid all the same. And another one, I think, for Maynard Branchard, who was grossly underrated as time has gone by. He was a fabulous, fabulous horse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the battles that that horse used to have with Hawkwing as well. A decent day, and then I think, uh, correct me if I'm right. Um, Alex Ferguson's horse, what was it called? The Rock and Gibraltar was that sort of same sort of era. Obviously yeah, not over the yeah. four, but decent enough. So same, like, yeah. I mean, what a trio that was for the same year. Jesus. Um, we've obviously got High Chaparral, the Chris. We've got to see the star from that. Honourable mentions again before I give mine. I think the the Phillies for me. Lamtara. A little bit of an honourable mention with Enable and, and Ouija board. Lamtara, another one. Um, you know, avoid Lamtara was one on the shortlist that, unfortunately, because it's only raced one season in 1995 and nothing onwards didn't qualify. We said from the get go they needed to have raced at least two two seasons worth between 95 and now. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's a bit controversial before I give you my idea, boys. And you'll look at me and you'll probably educate me because let's be honest, I'm thick. And I might be saying something a tad like I said controversial and perhaps talking out of turn, but I'm gonna preface this by saying I think he's a superstar, but uh Galileo won both the English and the Irish derby, if I'm correct. Uh then went on to Ascot. Uh I think it won the King Jude. George, the King George yeah, Ad yeah, Adair Ad emulated that this year. But, yeah, but then sort of like disappointed. Uh, then, didn't he? he went back to Ireland and disappointed, then went over to the US and disappointed as well. Mm -hmm. Now, if it was sort of a debate in terms of like 
how good a horse was in the sheds, I think it'd be way up there, but perhaps a tad overrated in terms of what it achieved on on on, on the track. Or oh, do harsh. I deserve a slap for that? Harsh, very harsh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, what I mean by that is, if we're looking for the best of the best, would it? Would, well, it all right, well, all right. This way, would Galileo be top five? No, he'd have never beaten Sea of the Stars, and probably would have struggled to have beaten horses like Archaperol as well. It's all good and well being great in the shares. He was a fantastic horse in his own right, but you would never, you would never rate him the same as Sea of the Stars, for example, or maybe even horses like yeah. Lamtar. I know it's been a year before the generation. He's got a very interesting story. If you've never read up about horses, you've got to go and have a look at him. He only raced four times, fabulous horse. But Galileo was top class without being without being a see the stars type. I'm not going to be disrespectful to a horse like that. Did he he got no. beat in I mean, the, he he got beat in the Irish champion, didn't he? He got beat in the, he Irish, did, champion the Irish champion. By yeah. Fantastic line. Before he went off to the Yeah, Irish. fantastic and, line. Um, yeah. uh, Mick Canan said in an interview I watched last year where he felt him was the first time he felt him wobble in that race where where he felt like he'd he'd buckled um under pressure and 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 mate you know he's a three-year-old maybe the maybe the two the english and irish derby and the king george he had a hard race in the king george and maybe you know it takes its toll uh on horses um doesn't it so um you know I, it's easy to it's easy to to forgive but you know horses like hawkwing you know they might have mental and physical frailties and occasionally when they're on song they like he did in the lockage that day which was an absolutely unbelievable performance but you know horses they're not machines are they? i'll forgive galileo mate he, he probably had, hadn't got the toughness maybe the durability of a high chaparral or a see the stars mm. but he still had plenty of class yeah i mean it's, i've got i've got a message there on facebook simon is watching his live galileo and brackets an absolute legend for me yes yeah, a legend. I just think because because I went through like form of various like you know arc winners, derby winners, so on top of the place. Um, and so I'm trying to think of what else was on the shortlist. Uh, oh, looking through it, you've got the likes of arc winners like Monsieur Saki, both fantastic horses in their day. I'm going to go for one that's a bit left field. Um, and again, you you probably want to raise an eyebrow at this, and I'll guess either a, a smack for saying it, but. A horse that I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you what I've written about it. Beat Saki in the Derby, who obviously went on to win the arc. Saki did. Also beat Monger in the 2000 arc. Monger subsequently went on to win an arc as well. Now, I know he didn't race often, only lost once. And although perhaps his arc wasn't stacked, I'd say beating future greats in Saki and Monja. All right, not greats, greats, but very good horses. Surely it gives Sindar half-decent mention. Perhaps a bit of a forgotten horse. Aga Khan's arc winner, Derby winner, if I'm correct. I think he ended up winning, yeah, Derby winner as well. You know, only lost once. Again, I, I know it's not, like I know it's not seeing the stars. Seeing the stars would have been my choice, but... I think perhaps a horse that's grossly underestimated. Didn't Sindar, decent horse. No, puzzle looks. No, no, no. The thing is, all of these horses were mentioned, but if you owned any one of them, you'd be absolutely delighted. Seeing the stars or Sindar. Do, do you know what I mean? These are all fantastic yeah. horses. I mean, Derby, horses. sorry, Irish Derby winner as well. These are horses of a lifetime for some people. Yeah. So whichever oh, God, one yeah. you go for, but but I think like um, we should mention Enable. Yeah, hundred um, percent. For for, for on, is that a curiosity? Did, what put you off? Is it just the fact that she's a filly? No, I think I think um, winning what she win three King George is a filly. I know they get the weight lance and and that's a different story, but I think fillies are more likely to go off the boil than than a, than a colt. Uh, if I'm honest, a um, little bit more fragile, maybe a little bit more mentally fragile. So to keep her as sweet as they did for so long to to race at that level, I think is is impressive. So yeah, I mean, I possibly enable might have even been my second choice behind. Um, you know, pe people talk about 
generations and what they'd be. And, you know, I did that to a little extent with Double Trigger, but to come, just to come back year after year and even be competitive in this in these races is, is a feat, let alone win them year after year. So, um, I mean, something we've touched upon that you've said there is like the likes of Sindar, the likes of Galileo, they didn't have lengthy careers by any stretch of the imagination, obviously. No. Going off to the sheds is a different game for a, for a cult, you know. But you, you you then look at Enable and you kind of go, well, that she's done something that a lot of these sort of male horses, or these cults, these stallions, haven't done by having a long longevity of a career and repeating performances, which is you know ticking a box that a lot don't have, I suppose. Yeah. And before we move on, Nijinsky and Shergar for the IPs. <laughs> so moving on that now means that i'm back to the picking next um now sprinter or handicapper sprinter or handicapper you know what i'm going to get the really tough horrible one out of the way with and it's handicapper now, i think the three of us can all agree that the stipulation that basically said that the handicapper that we chose did wasn't allowed to have won any sort of black type, any listed or group race, made it an absolute, and I'm going to swear, fucking nightmare. Um, it, it, was, it was the most ridiculous one, I think, for all of us. Uh, I, you know, I, I would go through the process, think of a horse, and then look at his form and absolutely pray to, to God that he'd not won any sort of black type. I looked at horses like the Tatlin, who did really well in top class races, so I hope maybe didn't have any group wins, but but won multiple group races. Uh, I also forgot about Borderless Scott's non-thought win, which is a nightmare when I thought I'd gotten onto something. That gave me a bit of a kick in the bollocks as well. Uh, and I did the same with, with, with sprinters like Stepper Point and and Jack Dexter was another one that was in there that, that had picked up sort of pattern company race. Uh, then I thought of horses all the much further when the opposite side of ended up with Geordie Land, uh, it was runner-up in the Ascot Gold Cup twice, but again, won, won a couple of lesser group races. Uh, and I thought it absolutely smashed it uh, with Luca Kamani's Purple Moon, uh, former, e former Evo winner who placed in group races all over the world without winning one. So I was absolutely rubbing my hands, but when I saw a bloody listed win at Goodwood in the form book, I could have screamed. Um, all those thoughts the same when he had a nose dancer in my head but a couple of group three wins put paid to that idea as well don't even like don't even mention like sodding caspian prince who never won a group race all listed race in the uk but went to bloody island and won a group three at the current listed race at dundalk of all fucking places anyway finally end up with a, a sort of not a short list but the horses that i scrambled around and i'm going to mention the two that i've not picked um Aim to Prosper, I think, won the Cesaro Witch on two separate occasions in 2010 and 2012, uh, but also won in Class 2 staying handicap at Ascot, uh, running the Ascot Gold Cup, the Goodwood Cup and the Doncaster Cup, all at uh, listed level a few times, and was fourth, I think, in, in the Henry II stakes. The other horse that I like the look of as well was Match Rally from Michael Dodds. Uh, only ever won three turf races, but won the, I think it was a sprint trophy at York, uh, another class two sprint at York, but also the Air Silver Cup. Wasn't exactly the most prolific, but did place in the likes of uh, Group Three race at Newcastle, uh, the Symphony Stakes at York, sprint at the SIS sprint at Ascot, third in the Scottish Stewards Cup. Really decent. You're going to mention every arse in fucking training, you or what? However, <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to tell you now, you think you've got something to complain about now, the next few sentences, you're going to really give me a kick in. But you know what, boys? I put a little shout out on my own personal Twitter and got a bit of help from someone that I tagged in and they went, actually, uh, absolutely legend, put forward a horse, uh, sprinting tight, goes by the name of Hoofit. Um, now, he's a horse I remember back into when it began to cap at York a fair while back. I think it was about 10 odd years ago. Uh, but I wasn't convinced he'd won a listed or a group three race. Uh, I was sorry, I was convinced he'd won a listed or a group three race, but he hadn't. Uh, so whether or not I deserve this one, I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm having it. 
Who's the Mickey's to be? Absolutely amazing record. Um, you know, in terms of places, it was the Wentworth Stakes, Spring Cup at ADOC, as good one, finished third twice in that race. Uh, the Cleve Stakes, which is a listed race at Linfield, he placed on. Uh, the Group 3 Bengo Stakes at Ascot, third in the Air Gold Cup, third again in the Coral Trophy, grabbed place money in other big class two handicap sprints. And then obviously he won like, the Stewart Sprint uh, Stakes at Glorious Goodwood, Stewart's Cup at Glorious Goodwood. Uh, Skybet Dash and, and Sporting Bet Stakes at York, and then just the uh, Betfair handicap at Doncaster, I think in October. Hoofit, my handicapper, Mickey's to be absolute legend of a horse. I think carried on racing for goodness knows how long as well. But yeah, that's mine. Apologise the guy who put the uh, shout out on Twitter. I need to give you the credit, but anyway, there we go. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> Chris, don't think it was yours. <laughs> I'd, give, I'd, give, I'd give you a fucking outfit, right? In knackers. <laughs> Mentioned every bastard in training for the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets help to give it. Honestly. Well, well, I'm not. Got it off there. I literally well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I'll keep it nice and brief, um, and it'll be a personable thing for me. Um, I won't go through every single horse in training like Rory, because I'll probably mention Max. But I'm going to go with Prince of Johan. I absolutely love this horse. Um, he won the, He weren't a prolific winner as such. I think he won 9 from 47 or something along them lines, and he didn't win loads and loads of big race handicaps, but he won enough. And I'll, I'll never forget him winning the Cambridgeshire. Fantastic performance. I think he was 40 to 1 that day. He was a great horse as well. He had that allure for, for your fans. I probably just butchered out to say allure then. I don't know why. But a uh, fantastic horse. <laughs> Hard as nails. And Rory's laughing at me in the corner. But he also won the, the Royal Hunt Cup at um, Royal Ascot. And that was another Rory. good day out I had on him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he was just a personal favourite of mine. He won me a few quid. And, yeah. Absolutely fantastic guys. Came from a small operation. Top class handicapper. Don't need to mention every horse in training. Uh, Tate. Right, so it's here for me, Prince of Johan for Chris. Matt? So, yeah, I mean, it was a difficult task. I mean, there's not many, when you talk about top class handicappers rated 100 and above, most of them have, have maybe achieved some group three or listers. Uh, race success so uh annoyingly they have <laughs> yeah it would have been it would have been so easy for me if this was i keep repeating this if this was all time chaplain's club and glencroft for david chapman the sprint trainer the master sprint trainer before dandy nichols and uh robert cowler saying that tongue-in-cheek <laughs> um yeah, I, I, remember, I remember seeing I'll pictures of them in black and white they were great horses <laughs> Chapman's Club Chapman's Club I think for two seasons won eight or nine races a season for two seasons owned by Peter Savile who owned Celtic Swing and the like and Glencroft did similar won eight or nine races uh, in one season um, incredible feats but uh, sadly we're not talking about the late 80s so I've gone for a horse called Bronze Angel uh, a dual Cambridgeshire winner um yeah. So when you look at handicappers, you always think of the big handicaps like the Wokingham, the Hunt Cup, Ybor, um, you know, Cambridgeshire's yeah. Zarowich. Cambridgeshire is one of my favourite races of the whole season it's coming up this weekend. So he, he won it. To, he was a quirky horse. There's no doubt about it. He used to wear headgear. Everything had to go right for him. But on his day, when the circumstances were right, he won the Cambridgeshire easily twice. I think uh, he won it. Then I'm not sure if he ran it or not. He won it again. And the second time he won it, he followed up a short time later at Ascot, winning the Balmoral Handicap, which was 150 grand to the winner. So I think, you know, he was in and out. There's no doubt about that. But he was reasonably consistent. He ran well in all the big handicaps, won a few. He won almost £450,000 in prize money, which is not bad. Uh, for a handicapper and had a peak rating of 111 so you know he was more than useful and uh, I think to win a, a, a race like the Cambridgeshire twice 
you know, Rambo's Hall did it, I think, in the 80s uh, for Jeremy Glover and Dean McEwen. But, uh, you know, can't argue with that. Yeah, with class I know, I mean, when you, when you mentioned it, like, what an absolute shout that is. Like, I'd, I'd been convinced that it had won a listed race or a group race. It was absolute quality horse that was. I remember the year when it, when it sort of caught fire and sort of caught the public imagination. Really, really, really good horse. Um, that's three out of the four done, chaps. So, Matt, last but by no means least, the sprinters, you get to go to bat first. So, all these absolute uh, speed merchants, I mean, you've got absolute tons to, to probably mention, but where's yours, bud? So, my all-time favourite sprinter, sadly, was born slightly too early. Deja, it'd have been my number one pick with that question of a doubt. Um, but it wasn't Barnoff as well with Deja. I think finished the career in nineteen ninety. I think. Yeah. So I mean, geez, um, so that was that was out yeah. of the question. So, when you think about modern-day sprinters, I think of Schwazier, who, who who did the famous double at um, Ascot, the King Stand, and the and the Gold yeah. Jubilee. You know. I look back through all the July Cups and the King Stands and the Golden Jubilees, but I'm going to go for a really recent horse. Now, if the hype that surrounded Batash, you know, his performances, course record holder at York, um, fantastically consistent for, for numerous years, Blue Point is my selection. Blue Point brushed him aside for me in the King Stand. Now, if... If we're saying Batash is one of the best sprinters of the last 20, 30 years, Blue Point brushed him aside at Asker, and then to go on and, and win the Golden Jubilee as well over six at the same meeting, I think on his day, he, he did have he did have some indifferent runs, there's no doubt about it. He did in, in Maydan and, and everything, but just in, on his peak performances to brush aside Batash... The way he did, and then go and win the, did it with ease as well. the 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 golden jubilee. I think on either of those two performances would would put him almost at the top of the sprinting division over the last twenty years, probably. So blue blue point for me, Mister Connolly. Yeah, um, I've won this one hands down. I don't think I need to do much talking about this horse, although I will just for the sake of it. The stipulations are one of the rules that the horse had to run at least once in the UK or Ireland, yeah? Oh, no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Oh. Um, I know what you're going to have done, haven't you? So you I'm going to... It's a Royal Ascot, a Royal Ascot run, isn't it? It might be. But um, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, an Australian-based horse, actually. Um, no, no, you. Yeah, I don't think there's much of an argument to this. I haven't even mentioned it. Big fan. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a mare or a filly, was it? Orange yeah, spot. Oh, oh, well, it could have been, yeah, it could have been. But uh, I'm oh, going to go with uh, a. <laughs> I'm glad I got this one to be fair, just to fuck Rory. But uh, anyway, I'm going to go with Black Caviar. Um, 25 from 25. Oh, I, I won over four and a half million pounds in prize money. Obviously unbeaten. Won 22 group races on the bounce. 15 of them group one races. Uh, she travelled over. And in, in all honesty, when she won over here, it weren't impressive. She was eased up towards a finish, but she was subsequently found to be lame. She went back home, rediscovered her best, rattled off more grade one victories or group ones, whichever way you want to say it. She beat top class, top class sprinters in Australia easily, absolutely destroyed them. She was a stunning racehorse to look at on the eye. I mean, I used to get up in the early hours of the morning to watch this horse and that is a very rare thing for me to do. She was an absolute sensation, and I would say she is one of the top three greatest sprinters of all time. There's not even a doubt about it. And people knock her for not winning by five or six lengths at Ascot. She was beating horses in Australia. I don't have an explanation without swearing on the bridle. 
She was absolutely pissing all over them. Fantastic. And even better that I've shafted Rory. So black caviar for me. Oh, you know what? I was Enjoy, sat there. Enjoy, Paul. right, smug bastard going. They won't have had it. Look at him, the talking blue point. Yeah, that's right. That's ass. Yeah, that I'm one run in the UK and Ireland. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Pill. I've got, oh, I've got notes. I've got notes how I'm going to talk about Schwazier and being a really good Australian horse. what you can do with your notes, pal. Oh, mate. Might as well sat by into my laptop. Uh, you know what? I'm going to verbatim, this is what I was going to do. So, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a list here, you know. Uh, Lock Song was a decent horse, but only ever ran, ran in 95, so didn't qualify. You know, Silent Witness was a really good Australian horse, but never raced over here. Schwazier was another Australian horse that did. However, I'm going to go with another Australian one. Stipulations were only running over here once. It's like you've almost read the... Oh, right, anyway. My second choice. Um, I agree with you, Matt, a little bit, and I might get a bit of daggers for this, but I wouldn't say Batash is overrated, but I think the horse gets a lot of credit where others don't, e.g. Blue Point. Um Wherever where Batash has won four group ones, I mean, you'd be dropped to bits if you owned the horse or trained the horse, but a horse that has won more than that uh, all over the world, uh, soul power, I think five group ones, um, you know, which is one more than Batash. Really consistent type, raced over multiple seasons, over various different countries, travelled all over the world. I think it's something like 12 group race victories, um, you know, included some of the big Royal Ascot sprints. Soul power was my second choice after Black Caviar, but fair point, fair play to Chris. Can't really argue with that, but yeah, soul power. Um, you know, I agree with you, might as well. Deja quality horse, but didn't make the cut. Uh, another horse, I think, perhaps a bit underrated, maybe Mohara. Uh, didn't perhaps have the longevity as others, but definitely deserves a, deserves a mention with the sprinters. But yeah, black caviar, you absolute shit. So it'll have to be soul power for me. So just to run through them, here I am as an absolutely vent typing in the words black caviar next to them. Name of the knobhead crits, but it's fine, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Absolutely fine. Not a problem. Not not bitter or annoyed or whatsoever. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> our four mine stayers. I've got Yates, I've got Soul Power as the sprinter, Sindar as a one mile four horse, and Hoofit as a handicapper. Chris's fantasy stable consists of Cave Tara as the stayer. Black Caviar as his sprinter, High Chaparral as his one mile four horse, and Prince of Johan as his handicapper. And Matt, your stayer is double trigger. We've got Blue Point as your sprinter, See the Stars as your one mile four horse, and absolute amazing shower with your handicapper, Bronze Angel. We'll be putting those on Facebook and Twitter as of Monday. Well, it's Monday now, so sorry, as of Tuesday. You'll be able to vote on which horse or which stable you think is the best. And by next week, we will see which one of the three of us comes out on top. If you can all shaft Chris for stealing Black Caviar and shaft Matt for stealing See the Stars from me, that'd be great. But anyway, moving on, chaps, talking about horses of yesteryear, we'll talk about horses in more recent history. Um, it is time to look back over the past week and get open our racing notebook so it is the racing notebook this is whereby we have a look at the racing over the last seven days and we pinpoint a horse that you should be putting in your trackers i'll go first chaps it was actually it wasn't too much that i liked over the last week up until today a uh, bit of a humble brag had four out of four in the lucky 15 today. And the horse that rounded, basically rounded things off for me in my fourth and final leg um, came over in Ireland. It was at Fairy House. Um, it's basically a horse that, that did really well. It remains unbeaten. It's two, it was his second start. Uh, won his first race and ended up going to listed company. Won again today. 
um, and did it really, really nicely. Um, comes from the yard of, uh, let me think now, uh, Joe Lyons, and his straight answer, it's not going to necessarily be a horse that you're going to get massive prices for. I actually don't even know whether or not we'll see that horse again this season, but I know it's very, very far in advance. I think it's one horse to follow for next year's flat. Like I said, two starts now in his career, unbeaten in both, absolutely dominated a half-decent field today. Won by as much as it wanted to. Over six furlongs. Like I said, not 100% convinced it will be seen again this year. If it is, I don't think it'll be a massive prize, but I can't see much touching it. But it's definitely a horse. Certainly to play the long game with. Straight answer from the yard of Joe Lines to potentially be a bit of a superstar in 2022. You've heard it here first. Mr. Connolly, aka my arch nemesis. Um, Anything you like to look at over the last seven days? Yeah, um, and I'm going to be unkind because that's just where I am. But anyway, my host follow is Hong Kong Harry. Uh, he ran in the, the four o'clock on Saturday. I think it was over a mile. Clear eye catcher. Um, but I, I'm going to have a little bit of a, a crib at a jockey. I know people don't like it, but... Uh, Paul Hannigan had this horse positioned in an absolutely terrible position. Um, took far too long to get out. Had to go too wide, and was he was gaining hand over fist towards the end. An unexposed type over around the mile trip. That'd be fine for me. Just a note on on um, Paul Hannigan lately. I noticed he's lost a ride on Perfect Power, who runs in a, a group race at Newmarket at the weekend. I think this was down to. A ride he gave the horse at Goodwood a couple of starts back when it was beaten. I just don't think he's been riding at the top of his game lately. And, and like I said, the ride on Hong Kong Harry was absolutely baffling. I mean, whether or not the handicapper takes a dim view of that effort or not, I don't know. But the horse looks almost guaranteed to, to find a race next time out or or maybe the time after. Definitely a winner waiting to happen. Terrible ride at the weekend. So it's Hong Kong Harry for Chris and Mr. Polly. Um, I'd mentioned it earlier earlier on, Count Dorsey. Um it's been a horse I've been keeping an eye on for a bit of a bit of a time now. He ran a blinder in the Portland, as I mentioned earlier, running on into third, not beaten that far, and then probably found the Air Cold Cup. Uh coming a bit too soon, maybe after the Portland two really competitive handicaps. So Maybe give him a little break, and I think there's definitely a five furlong handicap. Um, maybe at Newcastle, somewhere like that, to be to be one before uh, before the season's out. Um, you know, as long as the I mean, I can't imagine a handicap is going to do too much with him. I think he ended up finishing about seventh or eighth in the Egg Gold Cup, but he was bang there a furlong out with with a chance, and you know, um, maybe he might need to drop a couple of pounds, but. Uh, He's definitely a winner, winner waiting to happen. And we've got the Cambridgeshire coming up uh, this Saturday, one of my favourite races um, of the season. We mentioned um, a while ago, I put up a horse called Lucanda, um, who ran an eye-catching race at York. Uh, he was second in the Cambridgeshire um, last season. Um, I put him up for the Cambridgeshire again. The only concern is that uh, if it stays dry, it won't be in his favour. Um, but hopefully if we get a, a bit of rain, I could see Lucanda running well in the uh, Cambridgeshire on, on Saturday, rain weather permitting. Brilliant. So it is a uh, straight answer for myself. Hong Kong carry for Chris. Count Dorsey, who seems to be uh, everyone's fancy at some point. Um, for Matt, and obviously one that you've given previously, the candidate who could go well this Saturday. You've heard it here first, so pop them down in your notebooks, in your trackers, wherever you keep abreast of any horses to follow, and make sure you do so and you don't miss out on a winner. So, champs, as it comes accustomed to, we end our show with a little round of Who Am I? Normally, I will be cheering you on, Chris. However, after this week's antics, you can basically sod off. Um, as we said last week, it is horses that have either won or placed in the Air Gold Cup since the year 2000. I have five horses in front of me, five clues with each horse. 
if you're not accustomed to it by now very simple i read out these five clues if either chris or matt get them after one clue it's five points two clues is four points three clues is three four clues is two points and if you get it after five clues it is one point they say the name to buzz in and get a chance if they get it wrong they cannot ask to have another go at that same horse so jams without further ado horse number one clue number one so on saturday we saw bielsa win the air gold cup kevin stott and kevin ryan bielsa is owned by the king power partnership this previous air gold cup winner went on to also be owned by the king power team so on saturday we saw bielsa win the air gold cup for kevin stott and kevin ryan bielsa is owned by the king powered partnership this previous air gold cup winner went on to also be owned by the king power team clue number two their air gold cup victory was actually its first ever career win having finished placed in all four of their previous race course starts they won as the four to one second favorite their air gold cup victory was actually their first ever career win having finished placed in all four of their previous career starts and it won as the four to one second favorite clue number three i was trained by richard farhey ridden by jack garrity and represented the powerhouse syndicate of midland park trained by richard farhey ridden by jack garrity and represented the powerhouse syndicate of midland park clue number four just two races after my air victory i won a group two six furlong contest in france just two races after my air victory i won a group two six furlong contest in france and clue number five the pinnacle of my career came in my last ever race when winning the Group 1 Champion Sprint Stakes at Ascot in October 2019, when I, as a 33-1 to winner, finished ahead of joint favourite one master. The pinnacle Matt, of my career... Matt, 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 Matt. It's Matt's goal. Don Juan Triumphant. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Don Juan Triumphant. Did win the 2019 Champion Sprint Stakes at Ascot at 33 to 1. Previous Air Gold Cup winner who represented Midland Park, who was later bought by the King Power team. That is Matt One, Mr. Connolly. Now, normally I remain biased, but God, Matt. <laughs> now, in my excitement of hoping to see Chris lose, I did forget to play the intro. So, what was a bit skew with? Who am I? There we go. That helps me when I'm editing it. Horse <laughs> number two is only 1 0, Chris, so you've got more than enough time to fight back. Horse number two, clue number one. Between the years 2000 and 2005, trainer Dandy Nichols trained the winners of four of those Air Gold Cups. This horse is the only one in that five-year period not to hail from Nichols's yard. Thank you, pardon. So between the years, right? Between the years 2000 and 2005, trainer Dandy Nichols trained the winner of four of those Air Gold Cups. This horse is the only one of those five that didn't come from Nichols's yard. So between the year 2000 2005 four of those winners were trained by nickel this horse is the only one chris chris in those five years. that wasn't trained by dandy nichols 
that wasn't trained by Dandy Nichols. Keto. For five points, he's correct. It is Keto. Back to David Chapman. Wow. <laughs> well, coincidentally, the other clues, and I'll rattle them off quickly. Clue number two, since the year 2000, I hold the fourth quickest race time in the Air Gold Cup. And jockey Tony Culhane steered my then six-year-old self to quick success. Clue number three, oh, my trainer's career spanned over four years before passed away at the age of 77. His granddaughter, Ruth Carr, then took over his operation in 2008. Clue number four, despite placing in multiple crew races, the best grade I ever found success in was at listed level, claiming six listed victories in total. And I'm a filly who represented the famous Blue and White Stunts of owner Michael Hill. Indeed it is. Keto, that's Chris five. Matt, one. Here we go. Horse number three. Clue number one. Since the year 2000, four different horses. So this is a, this is a long clue. Clue number one, so listen carefully. Since the year 2000, four different horses have separately placed in and won the Air Gold Cup. One was Continent and one was Advanced. They both won the race and also finished third. This horse, on the other hand, is one of the duo who finished as runner-up and then won it the year after. Chris, 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 Chris. No, it's one of two horses that have either run... I'm going to horses... have to guess because I've shouted in. <laughs> and I know both of them. Fontill Road. If I give you the second clue, we'll see whether or not you're right. Born in the new millennium, strangely, my last ever race came in the 2008 running of the Air Gold Cup. My last success came in a 21 runner handicap when going off as the joint 6 to 1 favourite over in Ireland at the Curra. And I was still based with my trainer in Yorkshire. It's Fontal Road, isn't it? It is. Other one, would, other one would have been Louis the Pious. Indeed, it would have been. That's 10 once to Mr. Connolly. Long way back now. Well, it can be done. <laughs> Horse number four. Clue number one. I was a US import who was born in 1995 and won my one and only start at air, claiming the illustrious sprint handicap in the process. I never returned to defend or recapture my crown. So I was a US import who was born in 1995, won his one and only start at air, which was the Air Gold Cup. Never went back to air, never raced to air previously or subsequently, won the Air Gold Cup and never returned. Clue number two. I had a lengthy career that started with my debut in Ireland in May 1998 and ended at Ripon in August 2007. I had a lengthy career that started with my debut in Ireland in May 1998. Matt. And ended at Ripon. Matt, Matt, I'm gonna get. I've got a guess because I can't even. I can only draw now because for four points. Coastal Bluff. It's not Coastal Bluff. No, I'm stuck between bluff. two. I'm, I'm stuck between two. I've got years now. Now I've got. You can have another clue if you want. You can have another Keep clue. Going. Clue number three. Despite winning this famous Scottish race. <laughs> My best achievement came when winning the Group 1 Nunthorpe ahead of the likes of the Tatling, mm. Race Favourite, One Cool Cat, Orientor, Airwave and Fire Up the Band. I was I was a 16 to 1 outsider that day. Now you're from me. <laughs> I thought I had it. 
Winner of the group one, non Thorpe ahead of the wise of the Tatlin, one cool cat, Oriental, Airwave, and Fire Up the Band. And I was 16 to 1 outside of that day. I've got it now. I've got it now. Right, here we go. Clue number four. That wasn't my only group race victory. I also won the Phoenix Stakers at Leopardstown in August 2001. That wasn't my only group race victory. No. No. And number five. Trained by Daddy Nichols and ridden by son Adrian, I won the Air Gold Cup in the year 2000 at a massive price of 33 to 1. Should have said it to begin with because this was one that I'm thinking of, Damien Pirate. Yeah. Indeed it is. For one oh, point, it yeah. is maybe. There we go. That is Chris last, 11. The last one's worth 10 points, do you say? I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> the, way you shafted, the way you shafted me with black caviar, I'm halfway, halfway making it 20 points, to be honest. Right, here we go. Chris 11, Matt 1. The, these are, this, this is my sort of subject. It'll be all right when national season starts. I'll be fucked. <laughs> Bear me one second. You know what, boys? I made a night. I've absolutely made a night here, right? I've gone and deleted the bloody clues for horse number five. He has. Oh, he's gone and deleted them. He's not on here. On his little Word document he saved. With all his prep. I mean... Well, can, you remember, it, can you remember any of it? Not a, not a clue. I was big what a, anyway. I was what a dial Oh, nightmare. Absolute nightmare. I'll tell you what, I'm glad it was a bloody whitewash. I think I think it was a horse that won the race twice. Dandy Nichols horse. Funfair Wayne. Funfair Wayne. That's the one. I was, I was, waiting, the I was waiting for that horse. I've been waiting for that horse. You've been waiting a long time. I can delete the best other than Bielsa, I can remember winning the Air Gold Cup. <laughs> well, that being said, another win for Chris. Who owned Funfair Wayne? The, they had maroon colours, didn't they? Did they have yeah, like yeah. a maroon? Yeah. Maroon I can't remember who owned Kevin Keegan. Did they? Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. And yeah, he had his horses running in West Ham course. <laughs> Burnley. Yeah. Right, but so seeing as though Mr. Connolly has well, seeing as though we've focused on sprinters, shall we say, and Northern Give Mr. Connolly a sorry, Mr. Polly a bit of a chance. So you said that it's the um Cambridge this week. Cambridge? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so, Matt, I'll tell you what, we'll go with Cambridge winners from 95 80 to. I'll tell you what, we'll go from 90 to 2010. Whoa, 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 90, our own five. <laughs> well, you've got to count. Our responsible is this, I wasn't even allowed to bet. <laughs> well, you're older than me. You still were. Well, well. You? you still were, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, well, badly. <laughs> yeah, but... you're still not responsible. <laughs> well, you've got a week to prep, so we'll go just the winners from 1990 to 2010. Fucking hell, that's me. That's me out. <laughs> <laughs> do, some, do some research. I know a few there of them. <laughs> Well, we'll see you next week. And I'll make sure I've got five of the buggers as well. As always, chaps, it's been an absolute pleasure. Any likes, comments, shares, all that crap. Let us know what your fantasy stables would have been. Give us a vote on which three of our fantasy stables are the best. Any comments, any questions for next week, pop them in the comments below. Any love and support, always welcome. I've been Rory. Those two have been an absolute bunch of idiots. And it's been the Turf Dog Podcast.